In the first three years of our lives, our brains are the most active in language acquisition. Even from the moment we're born, we recognize the cadence of language, the lull, the pitch, the rhythm. We feel them all. Then we begin recognizing voices and even linking emotions with certain sounds. This sound produces a giggle. This one makes us sleepy. Then we graduate to language being ingrained in all of our interactions. It becomes second nature because it becomes the lens through which we understand the world. But there's another language that functions the same way. This one doesn't have a set time frame for development. We might learn it as children or in our 40s. What I'm talking about is the language of fear. It starts with a recognition of the feeling. Uneasiness, distrust, scattered thoughts, sleeplessness, anxiety. Then those feelings can become associated with particular people or items, those who cause the fear, the items that are used for punishment, or even those we know can cause harm if they wanted. Eventually, for some, that fear, just like language, can become second nature because it too can become a lens through which everything in their world is shaded. Just like there are more than 7,000 languages that exist in the world today, the language of fear can take all kinds of forms. There's the fear of physical harm. There's the fear of having our hearts broken. There's the fear of unseen sinister forces. There's the fear of never seeing a loved one again. There's a fear of never having answers. And each one of those fears buries deep in us, clinging to our hearts and to our thoughts, sometimes and often in spite of the competing emotion of hope. You see, fear is a language that, once learned and a fluency is developed, it's nearly impossible to unlearn. In our case this week, the language of fear is prevalent. There's a fear of people to come forward with information about the case because of repercussions they may face. And there's a fear that we may never know the truth of what happened to a sweet young girl who went missing from a New Jersey park in 2019. This is the case of Dulce Maria Alaves. Welcome to Coffee and Cases, where we like our coffee hot and our cases cold. My name is Allison Williams. And my name is Maggie Dameron. We will be telling stories each week in the hopes that someone out there with any information concerning the cases will take those tips to law enforcement so justice and closure can be brought to these families. With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, because, as we all know, conversation helps to keep the missing person in the public consciousness, helping keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week. Maggie, before... 
before we start our show this week, I actually mm-hmm. have an update to give our sleuth hounds and one giant favor to ask them. <laughs> so let's do the update first because it is multifaceted. So first, okay. I want to remind any and all of you who live in central Kentucky that Maggie and I will be hosting a free live show mm-hmm. at the Hall Coffee Shop in Winchester on January 27th at mm-hmm. 7 p.m. And that is just a few days after my birthday. So it would be a wonderful birthday gift to see all of your wonderful faces. And really, Winchester is conveniently located. It's like it is. two and a half hours from Pikeville. It's mm-hmm. only like an hour and a half from Cincinnati. So mm-hmm. you all can make it work. I believe right. in you. And this would be a great birthday present for Allison. Really but if those dates don't work, we understand. But we are going to be working on a couple more free shows that they're in the works right now here in Kentucky in the coming months. So if the 27th doesn't work, hopefully one of these other dates will work for you. Yes, that's right. And the second update is to let you know about a couple of bonus episodes that Mm -hmm. will be posted on our stream here in the coming week or so. First, this episode that you are hearing today in English, due to the nature of the case, you and you'll hear about why here in just a minute, will also be released in Spanish because it is very important that those whose primary language is Spanish also hear and share the case and then potentially come forward with information. And the second bonus episode will be a full episode from a good friend of ours named Elise with her cat, Winston, (laughs) who hosts the podcast True Crime Cat Lawyer. So you'll get a little taste of her show. And I honestly think of podcasts as doing such good work in terms of telling important stories. And I Mm -hmm. honestly feel that we really need to support one another. Yeah, not so much a competition, but a collaboration. Right. There are far too many cases that what Allison and I can cover in a given year is just not enough. So the more of us out there that are trying to keep these cases in the public eye, I think the better. Absolutely. So about every month or month and a half, we will post a bonus episode. So it won't replace our weekly episodes, but a bonus episode from a podcasting friend of ours. And you might find a new podcast to add along with ours to your weekly Mm -hmm. rotation. Okay, now the favor I have to ask of you actually concerns another new podcast. A past student of mine has just launched her own podcast, and I really want to help her get her feet off the ground and get a network of support. Her show is called Live Outside the Bubble, and it's L-I-V, which is a shortened form of her name, and it is a podcast about, in her words, quote, practical and biblical tips on how to build your confidence in Christ to get outside of your comfort zone and well on your way to initiating and maintaining deeper, more meaningful connections, end quote. Her first episode posted this past Sunday. So if her pod sounds like something that you or someone in your family would enjoy, 
then please go give her first episode a listen and give her a review because it would mean a lot to her and it would mean a lot to us. Now, let's get into this episode, shall we? Let's do it. Okay, this episode this week is actually a listener suggestion that came from one of my previous students. That's awesome. I know. She saw this case and she sent me an Instagram message and she was like, this would be a great case for you guys to cover. And I thought, it's perfect. We love listener suggestions. We do. So here we are. So for our episode this week, I had the pleasure of speaking with Dulce's mother, Noema, and our case this week is set in a town called Bridgeton, which is in southern New Jersey. It's about an hour away from Atlantic City and also about an hour away from Philadelphia. I thought you were going to say for a second Bridgerton, and I was like, oh, I love Bridgerton. <laughs> yeah, Bridgerton. Close. The <laughs> town is roughly six and a half square miles with a population in 2019, when this case took place, of around 24,000 people. And okay. of those 24,000, nearly 50% of the population is Hispanic. Wow. So now we know why. You want to release it in Spanish. Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully now you understand the importance of releasing it in English. So, you know, all of our listeners can continue to share the story, but also in Spanish. So it was a nice day on Monday, September 16th, 2019, when young mother Noema Alaves Perez decided to take her eight-year-old sister as well as her two young children, five-year-old Dulce and three-year-old Manny, to the park. That plan began with picking up Manny from her parents' house. So Noema was actually very young when she had her first child, Dulce. She was only 14 at the time. And she was 16 when she had Manny. So both of her children were living with Noema's parents, and Noema lived right close to them. Okay. In 2019, Noema was 19, and she was pregnant with her third child, Estrella. Even though Noema was still young and her parents were caring for both Dulce and Manny, Noema tried to still be very involved in their lives. She told me that she would go to her parents' home after work during the week when she could and on weekends to spend time with the kids. And Noema was actively trying to get things in her life back on track. She had left the party scene. She was trying to disassociate from friends who had linked her in the past to that lifestyle that she was now trying to avoid. So she was making these changes for herself and for her kids. And side note, I am telling you, Noema lucked out in the child department because her kids are flipping beautiful. Look at this picture, Maggie, that Noema sent me of Dulce and Manny. Oh, they are so cute. I just want to pinch this little cheek. I'm telling you, Sleuth Hounds, I will share. I will share these pictures with you. Her children are beautiful. Yeah. They're beautiful. And Dulce lived up to her name, and her name means sweet. 
She loved to dress up as a Disney princess, to put on makeup, to dance around the room. Her favorite princess was Elsa from Frozen. And oh my gosh, she loved that movie, Noema told me. She (laughs) couldn't get enough of it. I feel like that movie had a grip on an entire generation of children. (laughs) I I think it did. On this particular day, Noema's mother, Norma, had called to see if Noema could meet the children when they got off the bus. Normally, Norma did. So she was calling to see if Noema could be there instead. So Noema took Manny and she met Dulce, who had just started kindergarten, and her eight-year-old sister, when they got off the bus. It was a super nice day that September 16th. So Noema asked the kids if they would like to go to the park. And there were actually two parks in town. There was a big one and then a smaller one. So she asked which one that they would like to go to. And of course, Dulce shouted, the big park. Yeah. The bigger, the better. So Mm -hmm. like they had many times before, Noema took them to the Bridgeton City Park. She loaded the three kids into her vehicle and they made a pit stop to buy some ice cream before their final destination of the park. And I feel like parks are so great for parents because it is a form of entertainment for your kids that they just don't get tired of. But then when you finally get them home, they're tired. Right. (laughs) So then you can rest a little bit. Yeah. Video footage from a local gas station convenience store actually shows the four of them in the store purchasing ice cream. Dulce, sweet as always in her little yellow shirt with an elephant on it, black and white pants with flowers, and her little white dressy heeled sandals. I know. She was being, you could see it in the video footage, this fun big sister, and she was picking Manny up to carry him around the store as best as she could, but he's almost as big as she is. So it was super cute. And the video shows Noema buying them ice cream treats and buying herself some lottery tickets. So once they had their fare, they finally headed to the park, arriving just after 4 p.m. Now, to have you understand the setting, Maggie, I truly need to describe this park to you. Because I feel like most of us picture a park as a smallish green space with a couple of swing sets, some slides, maybe a couple of benches and a picnic shelter. Heck, Mm -hmm. even a walking trail or monkey bars if you want to get fancy. Yeah. However, that image would not even come close to what Bridgeton City Park looked like. This park was 1,100 acres. Wow. That's bigger than Central Park, is it not? It is, yes. To put that into perspective, Central Park in New York City is 843 acres. This park was 1,100 acres. It has ball fields, a splash pad area, basketball courts, playground equipment, of course, huge walking trails in this heavily wooded area, a river and a lake where you can fish or go kayaking. There's an amphitheater and even a zoo. Okay, I feel like park maybe isn't the best word to describe this. I think we need to come up with another word. Bridgeton Amusement City Park. (laughs) Yeah. 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 
on this day, the kids were just going to play on some playground equipment on one side of the park that backed mm-hmm. up to the local high school. So Noema pulled into the spot and she allowed Dulce and Manny to go ahead and get out of the car to play in the playground area immediately in front of where she was parked. Uh, they would be about 30 yards away. That's about 27 and a half meters for our international listeners or about 90 feet away. And so she did have a vantage point where she could see quite a bit of the play area, but she did remain in the car with her sister while her sister was finishing some homework and Noema was scratching off her lottery tickets. And she was looking up every few minutes to ensure that she still saw Dulce and Manny. Noema had only been looking down for a few minutes, five to ten minutes, she said, at the tickets. That's and a long time, though. Well, it, yeah, it can be. A lot can happen in that time. Yeah. So she was looking down, scratching the lottery tickets, helping her sister with the work. And when she looked up, she found that she could no longer see Dulce nor Manny. This was around 4.20 p.m. Figuring that they must have gone to the swing set, which was situated just behind this slight mound and just out of eyesight, Noema got out of the car to go find them. When she turned the corner towards the swings, however, she only saw Manny. Manny's Mm -hmm. ice cream lay on the ground at his feet and he was crying. At first, And that's when that 90 feet seems much longer than... Right. What it did at first. You know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. And at first, Noema didn't know if Manny was crying because his ice cream was on the ground or something else. Mm. But looking all around and not seeing Dulce, Noema asked her son where his sister was. And Manny, who was three, was nonverbal. So he was crying mm. harder. She said he was trying to say Dulce's name. And he pointed towards some maintenance buildings near the high school. At that, Noema first assumed that maybe Dulce was playing a game of hide-and-seek or something, or maybe Mm -hmm. she had accidentally knocked Manny's ice cream, you know, out of his hand and was afraid she'd get in trouble, Mm -hmm. so she had run. So, Noema began yelling Dulce's name. No response. Noema looked around those service buildings and saw no sign of her daughter. Well, now she began to panic. Where was Dulce? Was she still hiding? Had someone taken her? She knew that Dulce would not have gone willingly with a stranger. That's when Noema spotted a crowd of teenagers, including some teenage girls, on the basketball court near the high school. And she approached them, asking if they had seen her daughter or noticed anything out of the ordinary. They mentioned that they had seen a little girl running towards those same buildings that Manny had pointed toward, but they hadn't noticed much else. They had seen a black man by himself near the area, and they had also seen a Hispanic man also in the area around that same time. And listen, if she had asked teenage boys, no offense, boys are great. They would not have seen all that. Girls are just way more perceptive. Well, unless it's Rodney. He's super observant. (laughs) And I'm the oblivious one. I do notice people, though, just not things. Right. Well, then you just help each other. Right. Yeah. We work together. 
So <laughs> not knowing what else to do, Noema initially called her brother to come to the park with his dog. She was hoping that he could help her find Dulce, and she said that she didn't want to be alone. That's what she told me in our interview. Plus, Noema had often brought her brother's dog to the park with her and the kids on their previous trips. But this time, since they had planned on going out to eat afterward, she had decided that it wouldn't be a good idea to bring the dog. Her brother came immediately to help, but neither of them could find Dulce nor find any more information about where she might have gone than the information that Noema had already been able to gather. Okay. She needs to call the police now. Well, she did. That's once they realized that they were no closer to finding Dulce because her brother hadn't seen Dulce on his walk to the park. He couldn't find her with the dog. They searched together. They asked more people. They didn't get any more information. Noema called the police just before 5 p.m. At 4.50 or 4.51, I saw two different reportings of the time. So less than an hour after they had arrived at the park and around 30 minutes after the realization that she couldn't see Dulce. Okay, so not too much time has passed. Right. So here is the audio from that 911 call. 911, where's your emergency? Um, I can't find my daughter. Okay, when was the last time you seen her? We were there at the port, and people said that somebody, probably somebody took her. Okay. How old is she? She's five years old. Okay, and what park are you at? Here in Bridgeton Park. Okay, where at in the Bridgeton Park are you? Um, the one with the basketball court where high school is. Okay, so you're at the basketball courts behind the high school? Yes. Okay. And uh, what was she seeing last wearing? She was wearing, um, um, give me a second. Did you play with the the I don't remember what clothes she was wearing, but she was wearing, I just remember her pants. She was wearing like a flower, flowery pants and some heels, some white heels. Okay. Hi, ma'am. Stay in line. I'm going to turn you over to the police, okay? You said she was five, correct? Yes. All right. Hello, ma'am. Hello. Hi. Did you see which direction your child went? No. Um. We were in the car. She she came down with my son. They were running to the park, and then me and my sister we came down. But when 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 we got here at the park, she wasn't here. They they said that my son was just crying with ice cream because uh, somebody um threw his ice cream in the floor, and my daughter just ran away. You didn't see anyone else around there that she could possibly have went with? No, not no that I know of. Because we didn't saw no one. There's just some other people that they're here that said that they saw her running, running to um through some houses in the back. And they they said that they saw two per they saw two men. They saw a black guy and they saw so who's, who's, a Mexican who's man they, with who's two kids. That they, who's saying that they saw them? But there's people here in the basketball court that they saw her. They said that they saw her running. They're saying that there's people there at the basketball court that they saw her running through some houses with two black males. She's light-skinned Spanish. What color top does she have on? 
Um, I don't remember. Okay. Are you at the basketball court? Yes, I'm right here right now. She's that's affirmed. She says that she's at the basketball court. And do you have your son with you, or is your son? No, I have my son with me. They say um, he was crying when we found him. He was just standing there crying. Oh, he was standing there crying. So who? You said that the black males took his ice cream. No, they um they threw it in the floor. They so had the, threw the, it in the floor. So the two males took his took his ice cream and threw it on the floor, and then they left with your daughter. Probably because I didn't saw it. When we okay. came and looked for her, we were looking everywhere for she her. She said and we that her find son it. was at the basketball court with her daughter. That there was two black males that took her son's ice cream and threw it on the ground and left with her daughter. Okay. Well, we have the officers. Are you on Mayor Aiken? Um, I already have an officer here. Okay. All right, we'll speak with the police, ma'am, okay? Okay. Okay. I feel like there's so much that was so frustrating about that phone Mm -hmm. call. Mm -hmm. Who cares about the little boy's ice cream? Who cares? I know. It's on the ground. Also, well, I'm sure when you're really overwhelmed, like, the color of your kid's shirt is going to be the last thing. Right. She did remember about. what pants she had on. She did remember what shoes she had on. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, more, I found more issues with the police station lady mm-hmm. than I did with the mom. Right. Well, the biggest thing, and I don't know if you caught this or if our sleuthhounds caught it when listening to it, but Noema's description of the men that witnesses told her that they yes! had seen changed. It's not two black men. Right. Did they? Yes. Did they not? No one was listening. It was like no one was listening. We weren't active listening in this phone call. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because Noema clearly says it's one black man and one Mexican man. That's how she says yeah, it. Yeah. And then she said two black men. Right. And I do want to also point out that Noema didn't catch the mistake immediately and correct it. And that communication mistake could have happened for a couple of reasons. Number one, I cannot even imagine the mental anguish and turmoil that Noema felt in that moment and was likely, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking only of her daughter and that concern alone Mm -hmm. made her miss the mistake. Or number two, since Noema feels most comfortable speaking in Spanish rather than English, she may not have even caught the switch. Yeah, and like you said, your mind is not really focused on that. Your mind is focused on your daughter. Right. Now, I did say law enforcement did respond swiftly to her call. As you heard, the officer had already arrived before she even got off the phone with the dispatcher. And more than 30 officers made up the search party looking for Dulce in the nearby wooded area of the park and even more on the lookout for the potential perpetrators. And was it in a neighborhood? Like houses that they think she was running out between or like I was picturing like storage buildings. Well, and that is another case right there, even though because in the 911 call, Noema does say houses, but she meant those maintenance buildings. So, again, it's just the the language, like a language barrier. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So the search on that first day lasted until 1 a.m. 
looking for any sign of Dulce in the park. Meanwhile, Noema was at the police department being interviewed until nearly midnight to try to gather any and all information that could aid in their search for Dulce. Eventually, that search grew to hundreds of officers, as well as federal agents. Due to the size and the terrain of the park, law enforcement also brought in several canine units, they drained a nearby waterway, and they used drones equipped with infrared technology to search the 1,100-acre park from the sky. Right, because they have a lot to search. Yes, a very wide area. Unfortunately, they found nothing in their search. In a brilliant move, police even set up an ice cream truck to play its familiar song, hoping that if Dulce were just scared and hiding somewhere, that the music would bring her out. That is a really ingenious idea. Mm -hmm. But she never appeared. On the streets, the Bridgeton police joined fairly early in the investigation by the FBI, New Jersey State Police, and the Cumberland County Prosecutor's Office, began what would grow into a list of hundreds of interviews, including registered sex offenders in the area, family members, students and teachers from the high school who may have seen something or have any clue as to who might have a motive to take Dulce. They're just seeking. Were there any security cameras around the high school? There were some security cameras. Those, again, didn't necessarily catch, well, it didn't catch any sort of, say, abduction or anything like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of the park that is not covered by security cameras also. Law enforcement interviewed other people in the park, owners of vehicles that had been seen on those cameras entering and exiting the park during the time frame of when Dulce arrived to when she disappeared. Um, One source said that there were security cameras on that main entrance and exit from the park and that nearly 400 vehicles had entered, exited, or passed in that short time frame. Wow. And that law enforcement were able to identify and interview the owners of roughly 80% of those vehicles. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. That's a good number. The case was initially classified as a missing child investigation, though, which is why the primary efforts were centered on searching the park itself. But after other reports from witnesses potentially linked a Hispanic man between five foot six and five foot eight, slim build, no facial hair, acne, and wearing orange sneakers, red pants, and a black shirt, linked that man to a red van with tinted windows and a sliding door, that the investigation was reclassified as an abduction and an Amber Alert was issued at 10 p.m. on September 17th. And she went missing on the 16th? Correct. Around 4.20. So you might be wondering why the delay in issuing an Amber Alert. And it's because to issue an Amber Alert, there must be some indication or evidence to point toward an abduction having taken place. And since they didn't get the detail about the van until that day, 
And because no one had actually witnessed an abduction take place, that explains the delay. And the, mm. the Amber Alert is actually where the public hear that first description of the potential perpetrator. In the years after those initial reports, though, law enforcement have now urged potential witnesses not to get married to the idea of a red van in connection with the perpetrator, since that detail came from, this is what sources say, a witness of, quote, tender years, end quote, which means that red van was seen by a child. I don't know if that was Manny, who somehow indicated, even though he was nonverbal, somehow indicated a red van or another child in the park. Hmm. By the 19th, so three days after Dulce disappeared, there was a $20,000 reward for information about Dulce that grew to $25,000 by the 20th and to $35,000 by the 21st. On September 24th, wow. 2019, hoping to boost the tips coming in concerning the case and feeling this was a case that could be solved, Dulce was included on the FBI's most wanted missing persons list. And so still at this point, we think she has just been kidnapped. We don't think anything has happened to her. Correct. Or are they just not saying? And even, okay. even today in the news reports, law enforcement say they're, they're fairly confident that Dulce is still alive and well. Now, why they say that, no. I don't know, but they still maintain that. Interesting. The, yeah. The audio from the 911 call was publicly released on October 3rd. And I honestly why? don't know. Yeah, I don't know why, because I feel like there are so many cases that we've covered where there have been 911 calls and some of them have been released, but most of them mm -hmm. have not. So I don't know. And like, I don't know why some of them that aren't released until much later, you're like, why didn't they release this sooner? Right. Especially some of the ones that we've covered. And this one, why would they release it at all? It's not any information that we didn't already know. Right. So I, I feel like all that's going to do is like put her, shed bad light on her and as a mom. It did in a lot of ways have that result. And so I don't know if their goal was for maybe the potential perpetrator to hear the description, you know, from the witnesses that Noema mm. found and then feel like law enforcement's on the right track and, you know, they need to go ahead and turn yeah. themselves in or whatever, because I don't know what other reason they may have had, but releasing the audio did help to keep Dulce's case in the public eye. And the reward actually grew to $52,000 by October 9th. Wow. About a month after Dulce's disappearance, on October 15th, 2019, law enforcement released a sketch to the public. This sketch is purportedly of someone else who was seen in the area around the time Dulce went missing. It was of a Hispanic man around five foot seven with a slender build who had on a white t-shirt, blue jeans, a white baseball cap, and had acne on his face. So he like was, the man with the red van. Right. 
So police released this sketch not as a potential perpetrator, but saying it was as someone who may have been a potential witness to the abduction. And like you just said, despite that fact, some people have noticed the similarities between the quote-unquote potential witness and the description Mm -hmm. given of the Hispanic man seen as a potential perpetrator. So here is that sketch, Maggie. And Sleuth Hounds, I'll release it to you with the pictures of Dulce uh, that Noema had shared with me, as well as the this witness sketch when I post on social media. I mean, I feel like he looks like the majority of right yeah, a regular Hispanic person. Man. Yeah. Despite law enforcement making every attempt to keep the case in the public eye, it was plagued from the beginning with one huge issue that created that fear that I discussed in the introduction to the episode. It is related to what happened when police interviewed Noema's boyfriend at the time, Edgar. Edgar had actually been working at a job site an hour away in Philadelphia on the day that Dulce disappeared. But when he was brought in for questioning in Dulce's case, as many, many family members were to try to get details, he was detained and ICE, the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, got involved. Oh, yeah. So no one's going to come forward now. Exactly. As a result of that detainment and ICE's involvement, even though Edgar was later released on the 19th, much like the Claudia Lawrence case from a couple of weeks ago, the damage had already been done. Okay, and honestly, what's the more important, what's the more pressing issue there? Right, exactly. You know, the safety of a girl or detaining this hardworking man who has a job yeah. and is like, Doing his best. You know, what's the more pressing issue there? Right. And as if anyone who were not here legally wouldn't have already been hesitant to come forward with information, now Mm -hmm. there was a serious lack of trust with law enforcement and a strong belief that the police would make a report to ICE if they came forward with information. In an effort to convince witnesses of their safety from this issue, the New Jersey Attorney General reminded the public of the Immigrant Trust Directive. It's a policy placing limits on the types of questions that local and state law enforcement are allowed to ask in investigations like these. Oh, it is actually, so they could not ask right. if they were legally here or illegally right. here. Now, again, whether they believe that it won't happen is another story, but it is actually illegal for them to ask about immigration status in cases like Dulce's when it doesn't pertain to the investigation. But as I just said, once fear is ingrained, its grasp is a hard one to break. And once trust is broken, it's nearly impossible to earn back. You know, that makes me so sad because Mm -hmm. I just think how different her case could have been if something like that didn't happen. And again, like, what's the most important thing here? To me, the most important thing is we're finding this child. Right. Listen and trust me on this one, Sleuth Hounds. I cannot 
say enough good things about my Blendjet 2 that I got over the holidays. I have been religiously bringing it to work to make a smoothie for lunch, and it couldn't be easier. The Blendjet 2 is portable, so like Allison, you can blend up a smoothie at work. If you're lazy like me, you can carry it down to your basement home (laughs) office and even make a smoothie there instead of doing it in your kitchen. You can make a protein shake at the gym or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, which is really cool, but it's so powerful that it can blast through tough ingredients like ice or even frozen fruit with ease. Blendjet 2 is also whisper quiet, so you can make your work smoothies and frozen coffees without annoying the entire office. It lasts for about 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB-C. And the best thing it does... The Blendjet 2 cleans itself. You just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. With more than 30 colors and patterns to choose from, there's a Blendjet 2 to complement just about any style. So what are you waiting for? Go to Blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code COFFEEINCASES12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it, and so do we, for your money back. If you have a smoothie lover in your life, you want to make that New Year's resolution to build muscle and lose fat, whatever the reason, blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 Portable Blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code COFFEEINCASES12, all one word, for that 12% off and free two-day shipping. Shop today by going to the link or clicking the link in our show notes and get the best deal ever. There are so many times when I want to do something digitally, like read a book or take notes, but I miss the feel of actual paper. I've tried journaling on my iPad, which is a great New Year's resolution, by the way, but the feel of the screen didn't give me the same satisfaction as writing on paper until I got paper-like. Paper-like is a screen protector that makes an iPad feel exactly like you're writing or drawing on paper. It is perfect for note-takers, journalers, and artists. For any Anyone who draws and writes using an iPad and an Apple Pencil. The surface of the paper-like is coated with nanodots, tiny microbeads that are designed to add superior stroke precision when you drag your Apple Pencil across the screen. And every paper-like comes in a set of two, so you'll always have a spare in case you need to replace it. It's exactly what I needed to allow me to find joy in journaling on my iPad, because now it does feel like paper. To pick up your paper like, head over to paperlike.com forward slash coffee and cases. Click buy paper like and select your iPad size. From now until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their digital pro planner bundle at no extra cost with every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. Ready to do more with your iPad? Head over to paperlike.com slash coffee and cases to get started. There have only been a few more developments since 2019, Maggie. In 2020, there was a false claim that was spread. Mm. You guessed it, on social media, claiming that Dulce had been found deceased. This claim had zero validity. Do people get from this? I do not know. I do not know. 
Also, in February 2020, several leads came in related to Dulce's case from Austintown, Ohio. Hmm. The first of several anonymous letters, a two-page letter, arrived at the Austintown Library. It was handwritten, though nearly illegible, but they could make out that it mentioned Dulce. And there were several other little bits of information that they could make out. However, information that was mentioned in the letter, in the parts that were legible, were all details that could have been Googled about the case. So nothing that... So again, probably someone doing a sick joke. Yeah. A second anonymous note was a postcard addressed to the, quote, manager Hollywood gaming, end quote, at the Mahoning Valley Racecourse. Okay. It, too, was handwritten, the same as the first letter. This one mentioned details not found in the papers. In fact, it stated, quote, 76 truck stop, dead end street, entrance woods. Please look. And you know, the wording on that makes me think that it's not a native English speaker that wrote that. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it just sounds like someone who knows bits and pieces of English. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, police extensively searched the area that was mentioned on the postcard, but nothing was located. A third letter was delivered to an Austintown ice cream parlor. Okay, random. I know. The store had been closed at the time that the letter was sent, so the owner didn't check the mail regularly. And as a result, this letter was found about a week after the other two. On this card, unlike the other two, the zip code was legible. Hmm. It was the zip code from Culiacan, Mexico, which you may notice of you know, having been in the news recently. But it was also the town where Dulce's birth father was residing. Despite the zip code, though, authorities don't believe that the card and the other correspondents had actually traveled that far. The final letter was a bit more off-putting than the previous ones. It was sent to Jackie Rodriguez, a woman who would eventually serve as the family spokesperson. Hers, the letter she received, was seven pages long. Wow. It was in the same handwriting as the others, but it rambled on about things like Alaska, 1776, the Civil War, (laughs) Mexico, and Kids' Homes Orphanage. Not a single word about Dulce. And this one was postmarked from Cleveland, Ohio. So random. But the off-putting part was that the letter was delivered to Rodriguez's post office box without her address written on it. Hmm. So did someone just stop by her house or go to the post office and say can you put this in her box right i think it's the latter it really makes it seem as though someone dropped it off at her post office location and just said hey can you put this in miss rodriguez's box because how else would it have 
possibly gotten to her with no address listed. It couldn't have come from Cleveland. Right, and that's weird. And do they do that? You can just take a letter and say, put this in so-and-so's box? I don't think so, but I don't know. Hmm. Then, in 2021, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children released two separate age progression photos of Dulce as a seven-year-old, hoping that the updated photo might make her more recognizable two years later, because you do change Mm -hmm. a lot between five and seven. Yeah. However, Noema and her mother, Norma Perez, both claim that these photos don't look like how they imagine Dulce would look now. And here are the two age progression photos, Maggie. Again, Sleuth Hounds, I will share those with you. And I think I'll agree. While both these images of little girls are, they're beautiful, just like Dulce. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that Dulce would look like either of these either. Okay, I'm going to go back to the first picture mm-hmm. that you posted. Yeah, I think they have the face shape wrong on both of them. I mean, this little these little girls are cute that are in these age progression right. photos. But I just, there's something that's not right about them to be Dulce. Mm-hmm. And as always, Maggie, even though we do not have answers in this case, we do have theories concerning what may have happened to Dulce. So theory one is an accident. Mm. As I mentioned earlier, this park was expansive. It included a spillway, a lake. It was close to a river. Additionally, there is a wooded area with expansive hiking trails in which a child could have easily gotten lost. And while we don't have evidence to prove this theory, we also don't have evidence to disprove it. So could Dulce have wandered off, maybe gotten too close to the water and fallen in? Maybe she could have gotten hurt of her own accord while playing. Could she have gotten lost in the woods and turned around on one of those trails? Did they, like, search the lake for anything? I did read that they drained a waterway, but I don't know what body of water was drained. I don't know Mm -hmm. if they drained all of the bodies of water. But, you know... I go back to earlier when they were talking about the entrance to the park and the 400 cars went by in just that short amount of time. I feel like if that many cars went by, then this park probably has a lot of people there. Mm-hmm, it was very On the busy. trails, at the zoo, at the mm-hmm. water pad or whatever. So I would think if she was just wandering on her own, that she would have ran into someone at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's my only counter-argument, too, has to do with the busyness of the parks, because I think you're right. I think that surely somebody would have seen her and reported her, you know, reported that information to authorities had they seen a girl wandering around. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Theory two 
Dulce's mother, Noema, being involved in Dulce's disappearance. Noema has faced a lot of criticism during the past three years. She was criticized for the 911 call, both for not remembering what Dulce was wearing, for not pushing police to hurry or asking questions in the call. She was also criticized for saying that Dulce had, quote unquote, probably been abducted. Yeah, but again, she has the language barrier, I'm Mm -hmm. sure, which played a part Mm -hmm. in that. She was probably confused. She's having to concentrate on understanding a language that's not her primary language. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that was difficult to do. Right. And she had those people say, well, I saw the black man and the Hispanic man and she was running through these buildings. So in her mind, she's probably like, oh, they're trying to tell me she got abducted. Right. But uh, yeah, and she doesn't know for sure. Noema also faced criticism of her being less emotional than many people felt that she should have been. And she was even criticized, Maggie, for eating pizza on the day of the search in the park on the 17th. Never mind the fact that she hadn't eaten since the day before when Dulce disappeared and that she was pregnant. And people cope and process things differently not everyone is going to have the same reactions that i would have or that you would have right so i just feel like that's a very harsh judgment Mm -hmm. to make when you're not in that situation there were even sadly racist comments made about her mothering people accused her of selling dulce Mm. and let's just be a hundred percent honest here How many white women do you think would ever be accused of selling their child? Exactly. And I do not understand why we automatically go to that. Mm -hmm. Like like you said, that would not even be mentioned if this was a white child that had gone missing with a white mother. That Mm -hmm. wouldn't have even been said. Mm -mm. No. I I don't think anybody would have been like, oh, maybe she sold her child. You know what I mean? And so I feel like right. we've got to recognize how racist these criti- some of these criticisms are. Mm-hmm. So many people accuse Noema of either having something to do with Dulce's disappearance or even of knowing more than what she was letting on. And this belief was only solidified when Jackie Rodriguez, the family spokesperson, said of Noema on the Dr. Phil show, when Dr. Phil asked, do you think she, meaning Noema, may know more about what took place than she's telling? And Rodriguez said, yes. Hold on. Hold on. Mm -hmm. This is the family spokesperson, as in the family, the person Mm -hmm. who's communicating for the family? Correct. And she said this on a national television show? Yes, she did. Asked why. She responded, quote, She seems too calm. I feel like she knows that the child is okay. She's missing her, but I feel like she knows that the child is okay, end quote. Okay, so maybe that's how she took it. Like, do you think, not the way I'm taking it, like, do you think she knows more details about what happened to the baby? Maybe she took it as, do you think she knows more? And she's like, yes, she knows the baby is okay. Right, but like... 
I, I, I'm trying to rationalize this in my mind. Yeah. Perhaps even more damaging was Dr. Phil's comments himself that he has been doing this work, quote, for 45 years, and I've never worked with a mother who has been as emotionally flat about a missing child as Noema, end quote. Sometimes I just think some comments are better left unsaid. Well, and especially if they're going to potentially damage an investigation for a missing child. Right. And let's look at Noema's situation from a different perspective. So first, like you said, Maggie, there is no guidebook on how one should or should not react in a situation like this. We all think we know how we would react. We don't. And Noema has always been forthcoming with the police and aided them in their investigation at every turn. For example, they still, even as recently as February of 2022, came to Noema and said, hey, we need your cell phone again because we want to look back through it to see if we missed anything. And they took it from her and they had it for a day and then they gave it back. If Noema had something to hide, then I feel like she would have withheld her phone. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. she wouldn't have just been like, okay, here. Okay, here you go. And as far as any claim that Noema sold her child, let's not forget the fact that she had actually asked the kids, Dulce specifically, which park she wanted to go to. So the choice of the park was spontaneous. Yeah. Yeah. And not planned. So if this were all some grand scheme, then how does that fit? The biggest criticisms waged against Noema in an attempt to prove her involvement has been those who say she isn't emotional enough or who criticize particular words that she has chosen to use. Okay, again, mm -hmm. Spanish is her first language, not English. Yep. So there's going to be some issues there. Mm Mm-hmm. And if this was a man, a daddy, we would not be saying, well, he's not emotional enough. Right. That's just because she's a woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like you said, it is much easier for Noema to be expressive and emotional in her native language. I, for one, having interviewed Noema with my friend Emily as the translator, because I wanted to make sure that I was able to offer my interview with her in Spanish, in a language that she felt comfortable. I can promise you that Noema was still, three years later, extremely emotional in our interview when recalling memories of Dulce. And she repeatedly cried throughout our interview when she was recalling how she she herself still cries anytime she watches Frozen because she thinks about Dulce and she thinks about the regret that she feels and not getting out of the car with them that day. I can Mm. promise you all this criticism of her being not emotional. Those are interviews that she conducted in English. In our interview in Spanish, it was the opposite. That need to translate thoughts and emotions into a second language, it can also lead to misunderstandings or use of a wrong word. So any criticism of the words she used, again, let's remember English is her second language. And as for criticism of her eating, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Her not remembering. She's literally carrying 
human. Yeah, exactly. Her not remembering what Dulce is wearing, the color of her top, again, could be due to emo- emotional stress that she was under. And the racist comments about her mothering, well, those aren't even worth my breath in repeating. And they're abhorrent. Right. It's a, it's abhorrent that there are people out there who want to criticize a whole culture. It's disgusting. In Matt Gray's article titled, Where is Dulce Alaves? Family Frozen in Time Three Years into New Jersey's Biggest Mysteries. He asked Noema about those racist comments. She responded, quote, I don't know why they, why people would say such things about me and about my race or pinpointing where I'm from. This can happen to any person of any color. They make me feel so bad. They made me feel as though I really was that person they said I was. But in reality, I know I'm not. End quote. And you know what is sad? She is dealing with the disappearance of her daughter. Yeah. She is dealing with criticism from the public. Mm -hmm. And now she's dealing with racist comments Mm -hmm. that make her feel less of a person. Can we just be empathetic and realize she's in a hard situation? Right. And maybe if we can't offer helpful advice or encouraging words or practice empathy, then we just probably need to keep our mouth shut. Right. And, you know, I'll admit to you, despite my personal feelings about the matter, which I'm sure are clear based on, you know, my passion about, you know, (laughs) defending her, I did ask Noema what she has to say to those people like Jackie Rodriguez or others who believe that she has information pertaining to her daughter's disappearance. And to that question, she responded that she doesn't know everything that people are saying about her, but she said, I know I'm telling the truth. Theory number three is Dulce's birth father, Edgar Perez. Dulce didn't really have a close relationship with her father. In fact, when Noema first told him that she was pregnant, he didn't believe that Dulce was his. However, as Dulce grew, she began to look more and more like him. So he did eventually claim her and spent some time visiting with her. And it's rumored that he told Noema that he would fight her for custody of Dulce. But there's no paperwork nor reports to support the idea that he ever did. So did he always live in Mexico or did he move there like after she was born about a year before Dulce's disappearance so he was around in her life until she was about four about a year before Dulce's disappearance Perez had been deported back to Mexico to that town okay the Culiacan um, which is where one of the anonymous notes listed as the mailing zip code. So thinking perhaps that he or someone he knew had taken Dulce with a plan to get her to Mexico, right, to be reunited with her father, mm-hmm. Perez was looked into as a suspect. In April of 2021, a YouTube video surfaced of a man claiming to be Edgar Perez. In the video, there are pictures of Dulce with music playing in the background. And in one part of the video, you can hear a man speak. 
The man in the video claims that he had nothing to do with what happened to Dulce and states, quote, I don't know where she is. Just like everyone, I want to know where she is, end quote. Some skeptics feel that the girl in the video and those pictures actually looks older than the five-year-old Dulce who disappeared in 2019, sparking rumors that Dulce is indeed with her father. However, he has been located by the FBI, he has been interviewed, and he has never been named a suspect due to his continued cooperation with authorities. I mean... I don't know this man, obviously. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm sure when Anthony and I have kids, some of my views will change, right? Because I don't know that level of love or, you know, that level parent to child relationship right now. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I don't know how easy it would be for one to orchestrate Right. A kidnapping of your child and get them to another country. Especially from New Jersey. Like far north. Right. All the way down to Mexico. And are we driving? Are we flying? Because I feel like if we're flying, then they're definitely going to be looking for her at, right. you know, airport security because she's listed on that FBI's mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. Right. I just feel like that'd be very hard. It would be, I think. Theory four is that Dulce was taken by a stranger. FBI Special Agent Daniel Garibrandt told David Chang of NBC New York, quote, The offender that took Dulce was likely there for a period of time. It was a crime of opportunity. They were looking for a child, maybe their age or gender, end quote. There was construction going on in the park at the time, and it was an extremely busy park. So it is plausible, this stranger theory. Plus, as I mentioned with the accident theory, with the walking trails, there were many veins going in different directions around the park where a child could have been taken without onlookers noticing if they were immediately taken into the foliage, right? Like if you grab a child and immediately go into the wooded Mm -hmm. area. Because recall, to understand the busyness, that between three and six, there were roughly 400 vehicles in a round right. park. So that is a lot of people to work through, a lot of potential mm-hmm. perpetrators. When Noema appeared on the Dr. Phil show, he actually pressed her to actually name someone who could have taken Dulce. I feel like that's a little bit uncalled for. Right. Yeah. That's I a mean, lot of pressure. Like, mm-hmm. He says, you know, somebody, you have to know somebody, you know, who could have taken her. That's like how we get the false confessions. Right. Because you feel cornered. Uh-huh. So when pressured, Noema mentioned a man. She didn't name his name, but she said there was a man who was romantically interested in her whom she had rejected. And she and Dulce had run into him about a week before Dulce disappeared. But like you said, Maggie, to play devil's advocate, I feel like we have to keep in mind that this suggestion of a perpetrator was not one that was freely given. Right. 
This, she had to like really think about it. She had to dig deep. Exactly. Yeah. This is somebody mentioned only when she was pressured to like name somebody. And this is who, yeah. all she's able to come up with. My other problem with this theory is that Dulce was shy and Noema had taught her to scream if a stranger got too close. No one heard a scream. Not Noema, not anyone on the basketball courts, no one. In fact, no one had even noticed an abduction, as I mentioned before. So if a stranger were to have grabbed Dulce, she would have screamed, kicked, hit, caused a commotion. And then my follow-up question, how did they get out of the park? Because at minimum, I feel like Dulce would have at least dropped her ice cream if there were some sort of you know, oh, abduction. yeah, like they were carrying or right. pulling or something. Because that's the last thing you're going to think is, oh, I better take care and not spill any ice cream, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But her ice cream was also never found. Okay. And her mom said that both she and Manny had ice cream Correct. when they went into the park from the car. And we know they did because mm -hmm. of the um, surveillance video from the convenience store. Right. I just didn't know if they'd eaten it in the car right, or something like right. that. So the fact that the ice cream was never found makes it seem more likely that she went with someone she knew, which leads us to the final theory. Theory number five, Dulce was taken by someone familiar to her. This theory is centered around the fact that Dulce would have gone away without causing a scene if she were taken by someone she knew or recognized. And, you know, as I said, if the person who took her were familiar to her, then everything would have seemed normal. And we've talked a lot mm. on this show, Maggie, about the fact that you only really remember things that stand out as odd. Right. So somebody doesn't normally recall details about things that go smoothly or normally. You know, if I have a completely right, normal like a, day. A parent playing in the park with their kid. Or exactly. Like you're walking down the trail with your potential dad, you right. know, and everything's fine. They're yeah. not going to really notice that. Exactly. So when faced with this theory, many people want to throw Noema's boyfriend, Edgar's name, into the mix. After all... he was working. Well, he was. But they want to say, well, Dulce wasn't his biological child. But well, like you Edgar said... Edgar was in Philadelphia right. an hour away. Somewhere. Yeah. Right. And he has also never been named a suspect. But I want to throw something out there that I actually myself didn't think of. My child did. So to counter this theory, I want to throw <laughs> in here the possibility that it may have been a stranger, yet without commotion, just like that someone were familiar with her. So again, I'll be completely transparent to say that I never would have thought about this theory on my own. But I was discussing this case with my now teenaged sleuth hound, and she brought up Which this crazy. Theory. She brought up this theory, Maggie. She said, "Mom, you're right that she may have been taught not to go with adults. But what about kids?" So I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, kids are taught all the time 
to be leery of adult strangers who come up to them, who try to talk to them, ask them to help find a puppy. They offer candy or whatever. But children are never taught to run away from other children. She said, in fact, most parents push their children to play with other children on the playground and even yeah, they never if, meet a stranger that's right even if they would run from adults if another child were to be used to lure a kid away they would go so if another kid came up to dulce and said hey do you want to play tag or do you want to play hide and seek or whatever most children would go without a second thought. And I was thinking my child is brilliant because that is so true. And I wonder, like in cases of sex trafficking or, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, abductions like this, how many times they use kids in those types of circumstances. I mean, we've, I've read about, them like using other women that act like they need help in Walmart or whatever Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to lure in innocent women. Mm -hmm. So now I'm wondering how many times they've used kids Mm -hmm. to get kids. Right. And there was one Hispanic man who was seen with two children. So could one of those children have been Dulce and the other child you know, been one used to play with her and lure her away, leading Dulce to now trust the adult because she has already trusted the child. Right, because that's her friend's parent Mm -hmm. at that point. Of course, my brilliant sleuth hound, you know, I'm training her right, Maggie. She asked me what the children looked like who were with the Hispanic man. And I said, well, I don't know, actually, because I didn't see their description anywhere in my research. And she was like, that's strange. And so, of course, I was like, why is it strange? And she said, don't you find it bizarre? She said that there was this descriptive explanation of what the man looked like, but no description of the children. She was like, I would have thought that whoever had seen the man and been close enough that they could see acne or they could see, you know, all these details. She said, wouldn't they have also seen the children? At least enough to say what gender they were or their hair color or hairstyle or even clothing. But there's nothing. And I don't know what to do with that inconsistency. I just wanted to share it. I wonder if it's just one of those cases where, again, kind of like how she was saying they would go with a child without thinking about it. People didn't even think to pay attention look at the kids because maybe, yeah, they would just assume they had no involvement, you know. Mm-hmm. In general, in my interview with Noema, I asked her if her gut was leading her in one direction or another in terms of the theories and which she thought maybe had more validity. However, she was hesitant to discount any of them. Instead, she said, I don't know what happened to Dulce, and I don't want to imagine. Hmm. An interview by Matt Gray for NewJersey.com with Cumberland County Prosecutor Jennifer Webb McRae at that 
in that same article that I mentioned earlier, leads me to believe that they are close to being able to close this case, but they need a few more small pieces of the puzzle to fall into place before an arrest can be made. She told Gray, quote, any information, no matter how small or insignificant, might be the puzzle piece that leads us to identify the person responsible for Dulce's disappearance, end quote. And when she was asked to elaborate on new details that were discovered, she stated, quote, since we hope to charge and prosecute the person responsible for Dulce's disappearance, we cannot speak about many of the details of our investigation, end quote. However, opening the pool of potential suspects back up, Chief Gamery of the Bridgeton Police Department told ABC6 in September of last year that no one has been ruled out as a person of interest. So with all of that, what are your thoughts, Maggie? Okay, I know like 30 minutes ago I was like, why are we so focused on this little boy's ice cream? Who cares? (laughs) But now I'm wondering if that might be a little bit more significant. You know, Mm -hmm. would a stranger be more likely because the people on the basketball court said, right, that someone knocked the ice cream out of his hand. That was in her 911 call. It wasn't her 911 call. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, would a stranger do that, you know, as Mm -hmm. just one more act of being really mean? Mm -hmm. Or would her... potential family member or someone she knew be more likely to do that. Right. But then I'm now wondering, like, why did they only take Dulce Dulce, and not Manny if it was a stranger mm-hmm. or, you know, like a they were looking for a child, but there's two children, so why wouldn't you take both? Mm-hmm. And so then that kind of makes me agree with what your little sleuth hound said. Maybe a kid came up and tried to get them both to play mm-hmm. and Manny's, you know, is not game for it. And when he doesn't go, like the kid knocks the ice cream out of his hand. I mean, it could be. I know. And because you would think if it's an adult who's involved in this, then knocking ice cream out of a kid's hand and him crying only draws attention. Mm-hmm. More attention. Yeah. And that's not what you would want. Without evidence to prove the contrary, law enforcement still hold out hope that Dulce is alive somewhere. But it's the waiting over the course of the past few years that plays on the family's deepest fears. Dulce's grandmother, Norma Perez, told Rudy Chinchilla of NBC Philadelphia, quote, Ever since Dulce Maria disappeared, every day has been very difficult because every day I wait for someone to say where my granddaughter is, end quote. What Dulce's mother, Noema, holds on to is that her daughter, Estrella, reminds her so much of Dulce dressing up in princess dresses and putting on makeup. Even though Dulce can never be replaced and will never be forgotten, Estrella provides a glimpse into the life that Dulce may have been living if she were still with her family. It's a bittersweet likeness that provides both joy in the similarity and pain in that their family is not complete. And the fear is still a sometimes insurmountable obstacle. If her kids ask something as innocent as whether they can go play in a park, Noema's mind starts racing, worrying that another of her three other children will be taken. 
But even if her fears want to guide her thoughts into those dark recesses of possibilities that don't end in a happy reunion, the best she can do is to fight daily against those fears and show that hope and love can be more powerful. What that requires, though, is for those with information to come forward. And the police, as well as family members, do believe that there are people who have information that they have yet to share concerning what happened to Dulce that September day in 2019. I attempted several times to reach Chief Gamari for a comment and left messages, but didn't receive a call back. But I do know that law enforcement continue to argue that they do not care about the immigration status of those who come forward. They just want to be able to locate Dulce and bring her back home. That hope they cling to so tightly was tangible in the silent, candlelit walk held for Dulce in 2021. Organizer Anna Donnelly told Dan Alexander from 92.7 WOBM, quote, we are lighting the way for Dulce to come home, end quote. That desire is the ache in the hearts of all who knew Dulce. In my interview with Noema, she pleaded with those who have the information. I will tell you the translation before playing her plea. She said, quote, I'm asking people, please, that know something or have information about my daughter, or if anyone knows or has tips about where she could have gone, that you please speak, that you go to the police, or that you leave a letter, or I don't know, so that they can find my little girl, that she can come back home safe with us. Because truly, we feel like this is a nightmare that we'll never wake up from. Please, I hope that you speak out. Here is Noema in her words. Le pido a la gente que por favor que quien sepa cualquier información sobre mi hija o alguien sabe o tenga una pista donde quiera que ella esté que por favor hable que vayan con la policía o que dejan una carta no sé para que puedan encontrar a mi hija y que ella regrese sana y salga de la casa con nosotros porque de verdad sentimos que esto es una Anyone with information is asked to call the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-THE-LOST. That's 1-800-843-5678. Or you can call the FBI at 1-800-225-5324. Or the Bridgeton Police Department at 1 856 451 0033. If you speak Spanish, you can call 856 207 2732. And if you'd feel more comfortable leaving an anonymous tip, those can be submitted online to the Cumberland County Prosecutor's Office. Just go to www.njccpo.org forward slash tips. There is a $75,000 reward offered in this case. And Dulce, if you are out there, your mother has the following message for you. Dulce, I want you to know that I love you and that we won't rest until you're home with us. Don't be afraid. 
I know that she doesn't like to be with other people or go anywhere with anyone who isn't me or my mom. We know God is taking care of her and that we're going to find her and that she's going to return home to be with us. I will end with that message from Noema to Dulce. Again, please like and join our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Twitter at Cases Coffee, on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast, or you can always email us suggestions to coffeeandcasespodcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon. Stay together. Stay safe. We'll We'll see see you you next next week. up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for a dollar 49 perfect with our classic fries price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer ba-da-ba-ba-ba it's love notes from Maggie and Allison. Boop, boop. <laughs> I feel like we made our own little jingle for that. We, just go, whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> we do want to send out some love to Drea, who left us such a sweet note. Um, it said, quote, I love you guys. You are so great. You balance each other out perfectly, end quote. And we really do, I feel like. I think we do. And we also want to send some love to Michelle, who let us know that she is one of our listeners, too. And we love that, Michelle. And yes, we love you. Yes, too. Thank you, Drea and Michelle. We also yes. have some major love going out to the person who gave us a new five-star written review this week. And we love them. I do believe this might also be from Drea. And if so, like double love to you. But yes, this extra review reads, quote, love this podcast. It is so refreshing to hear girls talking about true crime. I literally have found myself laughing out loud at some of the things they say and do. I also really love how they do not swear. It seems like every podcast these days, the host swears, but not these school teachers. I started at the beginning and can't help but binge listen as much as that is possible with three little kids. <laughs> Keep it up, girls, end quote. And that review made my week, honestly. Yes. Love it. Mm-hmm. Live for those positive affirmations. Right. <laughs> 
And you know who else I really love right now? Who? That would be Patty. Oh, it's Patty, yes. Patty, our new Patreon member. So thank you for joining the CNC fam over on Patreon. We hope that you are loving Patreon. For Mm -hmm. our other listeners who haven't joined us yet, we would love to see you guys there too. And we have new January content already on Patreon Mm -hmm. for you. We sure do. Give yourself a little gift of even more content to listen to while you drive or while you exercise or Mm -hmm. clean or whatever it is that you need to keep you, you know, going on those New Year's resolutions just head on over to patreon.com forward slash coffee and cases and a little extra tease for patreon is we're potentially going to be doing a sleuth hound walking challenge that's kind of in the works for the people that are over on Patreon. So if you want some fellow true crime lovers to give you that little boost you need right. to keep with that exercise res- regimen, you could head on over there. Listen, and we're here for each other. Be coming out pretty soon. We're here for mm-hmm. each other. Like a, we're literally a family. That's right. And with that, all of our love is going out to each and every one of you. Until next week, sleuth hounds. 